Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. It's July 21st, 1989, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that the hip-hop-inspired pop duo Milli Vanilli appeared at an MTV promotional gig at a theme park in Connecticut. <laughs> an innocuous event, you may think, but it was here that whilst delighting the ecstatic crowd with their hit song, Girl, You Know It's True, it first became obvious to some girls in the crowd that it wasn't true. <laughs> Millie Vellini weren't, in fact, singing live, but lip-syncing shock horror, <laughs> which became apparent when their track got stuck repeatedly on the hook, Girl, You Know It, Girl, You Know It, Girl, You Know It, Girl, You Know It, <laughs> and one of them, uh, Rob, they were a duo called Fab and Rob, ran off stage in panic. Weirdly, though, it, this wasn't the moment that they were totally found out. And they still, from this time, went on to win massively at the American Music Awards the next year and the Grammys as Best Newcomer in 1990. So this was the beginning of the edifice crumbling, but it wasn't the final <laughs> moment where people were like, hang on, what is going on here? And probably partly that's because they wouldn't have been the first and only group to be lip syncing to their own music, particularly in a live show. Lip syncing was something that became prominent with the rise of the music video because then people expected to see a real performance when they came to see you in concert. So they expected elaborate dance routines, which obviously you can't do and sing. So, you know, mm. the likes of Madonna, Janet Jackson, etc., had already introduced people to the concept of lip syncing. Most people accepted it. The crucial yeah. difference with Millie Vanilli was that they were not lip syncing to their own mm. voices. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're right. That is a crucial difference. And I think the significance of the event that we're commemorating today has been overblown for two reasons. One is that Rob Pilatus, who was one of Millie Vanilli, himself tragically died of an overdose a few years later, and so all of his interviews on the subject have been poured over with a bit more uh, attention than they might have otherwise merited, and he credited this moment as being the moment that it all fell apart. He told the Los Angeles Times in November 1990, when my voice got stuck in the computer and it just kept repeating and repeating, I panicked, I just ran off the stage. And that was a quote that then informed VH1's Behind the Music documentary, which still, if you look on YouTube for the Milli Vanilli story, is the thing that comes up. And of course, VH1 is owned by MTV. And so they used this clip to signify the moment it all fell apart because they owned this footage because it was an MTV event. Whereas the actual moment that it all fell apart was after they won Best New Artist at the Grammys. And the producer behind Millie Vanilli bowed to the pressure within the industry that picked up on these rumours of saying, like, these two guys have just won a Grammy for Best New Artist and they're not really artists, they're lip-syncing, to then come out and announce that he was the impresario behind Millie Vanilli, the blokes you're seeing on stage aren't singing, and essentially sort of left them high and dry. And in fact, the other side of the story is that Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus, the two guys from Milli Vanilli, well, the two, the two guys in front of Milli Vanilli, whose faces we know, that they were pressuring the impresario Frank Farian saying, you know, we don't want to live in this sham anymore and we want to, A, 
uh, have it known that we didn't uh, actually sing the the first album. But B, when it comes to the second album, and they're now in talks to do the second album, we want to sing on it. We want it to actually be our voices as well as our faces. And at that point, I guess Varian was like, well, one of us is going to get to this before the other. And there was then a, a quick arms race on between the two of them. Farian got his statement out first, but very quickly uh, it was followed up by the two guys from Millie Vanilli, and they said, we feel as though we were exploited, but still it came back on them, I would say, most harshly, and Farian only secondarily. And if you watch that press conference, what they actually said is, we feel like it was the most exploited. <laughs> and that's the reason that it wasn't their voice on the records. They had very strong European right. accents. One of them was French extraction, one of them German that's why Frank Farian had used American artists. You know, it's not because in some of these cases, like the woman from Black Box, where you had a very heavy set kind of African American diva doing the song, and then a, a much more typically glamorous woman representing the voice, you could see it was clearly just a stylistic thing. In this case, they do have very strong accents in this period, and he is buying them for their look and someone else for the voice. Yeah, and that's one of the things that led to the initial rumours that Millie Vanilli were not all they seemed, is that in interviews they clearly had very strong accents that were not present in any of their number one hit singles. But I think it is worth explaining a bit about where the whole thing originated. Worth noting that Rob Pilatus was 22 and Fabrice Morvan was 21 mm. when mm. this all started. They had met in Munich nightclubs. They were both dancers and part-time models. And they were signed up by this producer, Frank Farian, who was a German producer. He was the creator of Boney M and a pioneer of manufactured pop acts. I had no idea this was the origin of Boney M. No. I still thought now that Boney M were a really <laughs> odd novelty character. Me too. I was like, it's really yes, strange yeah. that they came out with this like European-influenced Caribbean sound, but well done them. <laughs> they found a niche. No, German record producer, his white man's voice on the record, and then he got these guys in to, to play him. He had a dance track that he made himself with his own voice called Baby Do You Wanna Bump. It's very 1975. And it became a minor hit in Europe, and he hired four Caribbean singers to be the face of the song. Mm. But through the whole career of Boney M., he provided the male vocals. The mm. man, the famous man that you see in the video, his name was Bobby Farrell, and he did not sing. He hired three female singers as well. Two of them provided the female vocals. Frank Farian did not provide those, luckily. <laughs> and the other female singer was just there to kind of like dance and mime, although the crucial difference is that, A, he didn't hide, this fact was kind of public knowledge, and B, all four members of Boney M sang live on tour. I, I think Farian probably didn't expect for Millie Vanilli to get as big as they did. The casting was the error. It was like casting these two very beautiful men, but whose voices could not possibly have contributed to the voice that he actually hired to be the, the voice of Millie Vanilli. Fab and Rob actually can sing. And indeed, you know, if you listen to Girl You Know It's True now, which I just did on Spotify for the first time in 25 years... Um, it's not like the voice that he employed is so incredible. Like, I could basically sing, you know, it's true, to a reasonably adequate level. Half of it's kind of half-spoken semi-rap anyway, and not like sort of particularly cool rap, but like, this is me rapping and this is me rapping type rapping. Um, so it's not that it, the voice he chose was special, it's that the look was special, as you say. They're so strikingly beautiful. And then he just didn't think, but what do they sound mm. like when they talk? Mm. And are people going to put the pieces together? Incidentally, Ollie, I've heard your Christmas single with The Modern Man, and I'm not sure you could be Millie Vanilli, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you just wait. <laughs> but you can hardly blame them, can you, for signing with him 
Fabian now says when he is interviewed about this subject, you know, without an attorney present, without an agent, just signing the contract that was thrust into their hands, because this producer was the Boney M guy. Right. Like, he was, like, multi-platinum, basically the most successful record producer in Germany. And he said to them, I love you. I want to make you big. You're great. He didn't say to them, and the plan is you're going to lip-sync for some tracks that we've already made and exist. Plus, they were living in this housing project, and they were so poor that they were having to steal food to survive. So when a biggest producer in Germany came along waving $4,000 checks in front of them, you can understand why they would have signed without thinking twice. And I think it's weird to look back on it now when we're so used to shows, you know, like The X Factor and stuff, putting groups together. But the idea of a manufactured pop act was quite new at the time. And the ones that people knew of were ones like The Monkees, The Partridge Family, where it had started off as something that was on TV and then sort of crossed over into real life. So people had kind of followed its journey from fiction to reality. And of course, the monkeys didn't famously, you know, at the beginning, they didn't play their own instruments even. So it wasn't that different from Milli Vanilli. But it was this idea, as you say, that people had been taken in by this new explosive act and then realising that the whole thing was fake. A fact that I can't verify, but I suspect, is that Girl You Know It's True might just be the biggest selling song of all time with the spoken word intro. <laughs> People forget because the radio edit mm. and the YouTube video does not have the spoken word intro. But if you press play on Spotify, it starts with, So what are you doing back? Well, I sat back and I thought about the things we used to do. Really meant a lot to me. You meant a lot to me. I really mean that much to you? <laughs> Girl, you know it's true. That's how it starts. <laughs> I told you I That's could do the voice. Good. That was beautiful. Uh, yeah, you, yeah you could do it. Like, um, take it so, back. Take <laughs> so I was just thinking, like, what song with a spoken word mm. intro has got to number one in that many countries? I'm thinking The Boy Is Mine. Oh, yeah. Oh. Brandy and Monica. How did, What's the spoken bit? What did they say at the beginning? Uh, it's a bit where they do the... He's mine. No, he's mine. The boy is mine. Yeah. The boy is mine. Goes yes, like that, that probably is bigger. Good, because the only ones I could think... Well, I thought about Thriller, which obviously is like yeah, one of the biggest but ones it's of all in time. the middle? It's, yeah, kind of like two-thirds of the way through, Vincent yeah. Price. It's not the beginning. And there's all that like coffin opening stuff, but that's not spoken. <laughs> and then, yeah, like in sort of indie alternative songs, like Steal My Sunshine by Len and The Sweater Song by Weezer, there are some spoken word intros, but they can't be bigger than Milli Vanilli. So yeah, but that's a good shout though, Rebecca. I reckon Brandy and Monica, yeah. I'm not sure if this technically qualifies, but Justin Timberlake's Senorita. We don't do this no more, that bit. Ladies and Ladies gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce to you. <laughs> She's a friend of mine. But it is half sung. Yeah, so maybe it invalidates itself. Guys, I feel like I'm listening to a young Millie Vanilli right now. <laughs> Girl, you know it's true. <laughs> We're definitely neither the voice nor the face of this act. <laughs> Tomorrow. He had, quote, some sandwiches and champagne and set off back for Paris at half past two in the morning by himself. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.